Welcome back to the Conservative Podcast. If you've been following along the last few weeks, you know that the national topic of choice has been guns and gun control. We're going to continue on with that conversation. I already have two podcasts talking about this topic, but we're going to continue on with the third because it just keeps getting juicier. So if you've been paying attention to the news today, you will have seen that Justin Trudeau, Canadian Prime Minister, he just passed legislation that essentially bans all handguns in Canada. Now, why is this important? We're Americans. Canada's just our neighbors to the north. Why should we care about this? The answer to that is because I think that Canada can be a shining example of the slippery slope that America could fall down. Now, before we get into this too deep, I'm going to play to you the clip of Justin Trudeau talking about this legislation. I don't ever want to be accused of putting words into his mouth. So here's the quick clip of what he spoke about today at his press conference. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. We recognize that the vast majority of gun owners use them safely and in accordance with the law. But other than using firearms for sport shooting and hunting, there is no reason anyone in Canada should need guns in their everyday lives. And Canadians certainly don't need assault-style weapons that were designed to kill the largest number of people in the shortest amount of time. Just to make sure that you heard it, I'm going to play the scariest part of that speech for you one more time. There is no reason anyone in Canada should need guns in their everyday lives. Those are the words of a dictator. Those are the words of a man who believes that he knows what is best for people. That is a man who does not care about his citizens being able to defend themselves. To me, there is nothing more self-righteous or evil than believing that you know what's best for people and then enforcing it on top of Doing that in a way that is completely leaving your people helpless to not only you, but other evil people around them. I can think of about three or four different reasons that you would want to have a handgun. Home invasion, self-protection on the street, protecting your children, and as demonstrated last week in America, protection of other people's children, especially in school institutions. Do none of those things matter? Here's the other problem. This opens the door for this government that's already relatively tyrannical to basically have a play day because they're going to leave their entire country incredibly defenseless, which means when they want to lock people up in internment camps for monkeypox, like Australia did for coronavirus, they can do that because they will be met with no resistance. And it would be entirely ignorant to sit here and not believe that Justin Trudeau knows that. 
he took history lessons. He knows that the number one thing that you have to do to get a group of people to comply is remove their defenses. Remove the one thing that equalizes power. I also look at this too. I, as a woman, part of my motivation for carrying a self-protection weapon is for the instance of being overpowered and possibly being raped. I'm relatively strong, but I'm not that big. So my equalizer is my concealed carry. If you remove that from me, I'm essentially a sitting duck. I mean, I can fight, I can punch, I can kick. Sure, maybe I could take some martial arts, but why go through the effort? Why go through the possibility of personal harm when I can have a three, $400 tool that can protect me? And in my future, my children that are with me. As our world grows ever more evil, this conversation becomes incredibly more important. We, as Americans, as citizens, as human beings who believe in human rights and believe in the right to life, this should be something that we don't back down on. There really isn't a middle ground here anymore. No, we're not abandoning assault-style weapons. We shouldn't. First of all, that word doesn't even have a definition. Assault is not an adjective, it's a verb. You can't turn it into an adjective just because you want to and it makes things sound scary. If the gun is being used to assault somebody, then it's an assault weapon. If I assault somebody with my bow and arrow, does it become an assault weapon? By the definition of those words, yeah, it does. Which sounds kind of ridiculous when you think about it, but that's why we need to really make sure that people understand that an assault weapon is just a weapon that's being used to assault somebody else. That's how the words work. You can't turn a verb into an adjective just because it fits your narrative. I'm sick of seeing people do that. There is no legal definition to what an assault weapon is. Not to mention, you have someone come in with an AR-15. They've got bullets on bullets on bullets. In New York State, where I grew up, and in Canada, which they're practically next-door neighbors, there are round limits to what you can have in your gun. If someone comes in to your home or your place of work or your child's school and they're able to spray hundreds and hundreds of bullets, don't you think you'd want to be able to return fire with the same amount of capacity? Because that person who's currently in the process of murdering people doesn't really care about your capacity limits. You know, you're not going to run out of bullets in your clip and go, oh, hold on, let's pause this gunfight so I can put a new clip in. No, that's ridiculous. That's not how this works. But that's what we're essentially telling people is that, oh, if we ban guns, then the crime's going to go down. Yet the same people who argue for that are the same people who stand there and go, well, if you just ban abortion, then people are going to get illegal abortions. Okay, so you can use that argument for abortions, but you can't seem to use the same logic for guns? How, how does that work? Now, while this issue going on in Canada isn't a complete and utter ban on guns in the country, and what I found so interesting about Justin Trudeau's speech about this legislation is that he even readily admits that the majority of Canadians are responsible gun owners. Like, somehow acknowledging that fact, like they were taken into consideration, makes this better. Like, oh, no, we stopped, believe me, we we thought about you, but we still decided that we know what's better, okay? 
I mean, that's practically just a middle finger or like a condescending pat on the head of going, oh yeah, you think you're so smart. No, I know better than you. I personally feel insulted for those people because that's really the underlying message here is we're going to try to make you feel better by saying that we're taking you into consideration by doing this and we've determined through our really important studies and our hyper-intelligent people that I'm surrounded by, we've made this choice. So now you don't have one. And when someone invades your house, oh, call the police. Guess what? We just watched last week how the police can completely and utterly fail in those situations. My fellow people who reside in Canada, my heart goes out to you. And I would just like to say that there is room in America for you. Legally. Let me make that very clear. Don't be swimming across the Niagara River coming to Buffalo illegally. Please, come. We would love to have you. I know that the border has been reopened. However... Please don't come to America and continue to vote for leaders like Trudeau. That's the end of my invitation. And here is my message to all of my fellow Americans. The ones that agree with me, please continue to defend our right to bear arms and our right to self-protection. For those of you that disagree with me, one, either respect the Constitution or go and get what you want and go live in Canada actually follow through on something for once. If you actually believe that the laws in Canada are better and that your life would be improved in Canada, then go to Canada. We don't need you here. We don't need you voting for me to be defenseless. Yet, I don't think any of you would actually do that because deep down, we all know that America is the best place to be on earth. Even when you don't like it, You know that there are people around you who can help keep you safe. You know that this economy and this government is designed to help you live well. You don't know that about Canada. Yeah, you may like that they have free health care and no guns. And if you want to go see what that social experiment looks like, then I encourage you to go there and live there. Enjoy the snow. Canada is so often used as the poster child for what liberals want America to be. Yet, what they fail to understand is that we still have the better system. Or, they do know that and they just wish these things upon America and expect America to stay the same. That's not how it works. You can't have us eliminating the values of the Constitution and keep America America. I genuinely believe, and part of a free market system, is that if you don't like it here, you can go somewhere else. That includes our gun laws. But the reality still stands that we live in a country that values our gun laws and values the right to life. Conservatives always got a lot of flack when we played the All Lives Matter card during all of the BLM rigmarole in 2020. However... I like to look at that and go, okay, yeah, it's an overused phrase, but it does mean a lot, especially in regards to the conservative movement. Conservatives believe that all lives matter, which is why we fight hard for everybody to have access to guns and everybody to have access to preservation of their own life. It's the same reason why we fight so hard for abortion restrictions, because we value every single life. We want every person, 
and every potential person, every baby inside of a mother's womb to come out and be able to enjoy the freedoms and pleasures of life and of living in America. The other thing about this entire argument that I think people often forget is we talk a lot about the Constitution and when it was created and how the Founding Fathers were incredibly intelligent to create a document that could change and grow, but also could stand the test of time. What's interesting about this argument, though, is that when conservatives talk about the Constitution and talk about the American government, we always talk about how the purpose of the government is to protect your rights. That's their only purpose, is to uphold the Constitution and protect your rights. What the Second Amendment did is it put part of the responsibility of protecting your rights into the hands of the American people. They had just come off of having a very tyrannical government, overtaxation, not being represented in the government in England, and all of the other hosts of problems that come with trying to run an imperialistic society across an ocean. They just came off of that. You had the Boston Tea Party. You had the entire American Revolution. They understood the premise of power tends to corrupt. So they put this in place so that when the Constitution or the American government fails to keep the people's rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, then the people have a way to make sure that those rights can either be given back to them or continue to be secured for generations. Throughout history, this has remained to be a massive privilege for people who call themselves Americans. James Madison, who is the father of the Constitution, wrote in the Federalist Papers that being armed is the advantage that Americans possess over almost every other nation. And that still remains true. There are so many countries in this world that do not have the privilege of carrying a gun. Part of a privilege, though, is great responsibility. And I do think that throughout American history, Americans have upheld that responsibility. The problem is, is that upholding that responsibility, being a responsible gun owner, is getting harder and harder and harder. And now you have a very prominent Western civilized country removing guns from their people, even admitting that most of the people are responsible gun owners, but deciding that that still isn't good enough and they're going to take them away. The other argument from the left that comes up all the time is that the founding fathers didn't know that we were going to have AR-15s in 2020. Fine. Maybe not. I bet you if you had asked James Madison to draw a picture of what guns would look like in the future, he may not have been able to draw you up an AR-15. However, it's kind of arrogant to say that you somehow know better than some of the most intelligent men on the face of the planet who were able to create a government that could last longer than any other government in history. I have met a lot of these modern liberals. I guarantee you are probably not smarter than George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, or James Madison. I would be shocked to think that that's even remotely possible. I don't think I'm smarter than those people, and I am definitely smarter than most of the liberals that I talk to. There's a couple other things that rarely get talked about, and I think they're valid arguments, especially if you can come up with the evidence. I recommend knowing these things off the top of your head because they make awesome arguments. They had rifles 
1777 that could fire 20 rounds of ammo in five seconds. It was called the Belton Flintlock, and it was designed and released 12 years before the Constitution was ever written. So yes, they do know what a mass firing or swift firing weapon looks like. This is basically the equivalent of what everyone is fighting against right now for that time period. Sure, couldn't do 100 rounds, but this is essentially the 1777 version of what we have now. And they're aware of technology advancements. They know that these things are going to come up. So it's, it's a really weak argument. The other thing that's important to note is that James Madison, again, the father of the Constitution, the man who did a lot of the writing of the Bill of Rights, he even wrote an entire letter when someone questioned him about whether or not they can have cannons on their boat. He said, yes, the Second Amendment protects your boat cannons. By that logic and by their consistency, that means that you could have house cannons. Explain to me how if the Founding Fathers say that you can shoot a cannon off and you're protected by the Second Amendment, why we have restrictions on any types of guns. If we couldn't have cannons, or if we were supposed to have restrictions, then we should also have restrictions on fireworks and dynamite. Yet you can go to stores all across the country, and as long as you're 21, you can pick that stuff up. You don't think that that could do some damage? That can do damage. That could hurt people. There's a reason it comes with warning labels. But you're protected to have those. You're also protected to have a cannon, according to James Madison. So again, these become very weak arguments when you actually have some facts to understand what the Founding Fathers meant. And this is the American privilege. This is part of the rights and privilege that you have as an American over the rest of the world. And you should treat it with that amount of heaviness because the people who haven't treated this with the proper amount of weight are part of the reason that we have ended up where we are. Right now, I feel like the only major downside of Canada moving to eliminate what they call assault weapons and handguns is that they are setting a precedent that the media is just going to completely latch onto. They're going to go look at what Canada's doing and then they're going to have a brief stint where the gun crime is eliminated, but it's not going to go away. In fact, every study on the face of the planet has shown that when you eliminate guns, crime actually goes up because the fear of ramifications or death from committing your crime is basically eliminated. Also, Canada borders the United States. The United States borders Mexico. And not every American, not every person who lives in this country is law-abiding. And some of them are going to see an opportunity to make a lot of money by selling guns essentially in a Canadian black market. The other thing is that we in America currently have a border crisis. We're allowing droves and droves and droves of Mexican people to come into our country. They have guns. They also travel all the way up to Canada. Where I grew up, which is right next to Canada in Buffalo, we had tons of migrant workers. Tons of Mexican people would come and work right up near the Canadian border. You don't think they're also not going to see this opportunity? They're going to look at this and go, hey, here's another opportunity for me to make some money selling guns to Canadians who decide that they want them. 
Then you have Canadians who are actually going to follow through on this buyback because they're law-abiding citizens and they need to be able to live in this country for the long term. And they're now going to be defenseless against the people who just straight up don't care. What are we going to do then? Police response times are really poor. And in some Canadian areas, you could have horrible weather that could make this even worse. This is going to be a turning point in Western civilization. We are going to have a chance to see what happens right in front of our eyes. Us Gen Z people, those millennial people who really don't know what happened when other nations lost their guns because we've been living under a rock or we weren't taught proper history, we're going to have a case study right here to look at what happens when you remove guns from the citizens. It's not going to be pretty and it's going to take some digging. The media is not going to be willing to show you the real ramifications of this and I highly encourage you to pay close attention because this could be our future if we don't take this issue and treat it with the utmost importance. My constant prayer over these last two weeks after witnessing two tragedies is that we as a people can look at these issues and not be emotional while evaluating and making decisions. There are so many pieces of both of these shootings that prove why gun rights in America are important. And if you want to learn more about that, please listen to my previous two podcasts. I talk in depth about how both instances are prime examples of why gun laws are hurting this country. I recommend you give them a listen. But we need to be praying for accurate information to be released. We need to pray that our leaders can make good, thoughtful decisions not based off of emotions and fear. And we need to be praying that our rights in America remain secure. I truly believe that America sets the precedent for the rest of the world. We are the ones who essentially created what a free society truly looks like. And it's been a few hundred years since that was created. And it seems like we go down the path of not being the true leader of the free world like we were supposed to be. This is a hill to die on. This is an issue that can be the make or break difference between whether or not we get to keep being the leader of the free world. There's a reason that people don't come after America the way that other countries will go after each other. The stereotype of Americans across the globe is that we're a bunch of gunslinging hillbillies. And that reputation is slowly getting tainted because of our media. Yet that stereotype is part of the reason that no other country has attempted to invade America. That reputation is part of what protects us year after year after year. It's part of what makes every war America has fought since the Civil War a foreign war. That's important. That's also part of what's made us a weak society because we've never had to experience true war suffering. 
And I don't want us to have to experience that to get back on track. I want us to be able to have our eyes opened, look at the situations in front of us, look at what history has shown us, and be able to go, this is part of the reason that we live in this privileged society. Maybe it's time for me to stop looking at the guns and listening to the fear-mongering propaganda of your news outlet and actually take a second and go, maybe there's a reason that America is the way that it is, and maybe part of that has to do with the Bill of Rights that was founded when the Constitution was created by some of the most brilliant men that ever lived. My other prayer now is for the Canadian people. I hope and pray that this is nothing more than a blip in your history. I hope and pray that this does not become the start of tyranny running through your country. I know that there are people in that country who want to fight for what is right and what is good. This is your moment to stand up. This is your moment to cause a scene. This is your moment to write to your government and say this isn't okay and this is why. Put some effort in. Don't allow your rights to be taken away from you while lying down. That is the worst thing that you could possibly do right now. And if you have a chance to be able to come to America and enjoy our freedoms, we welcome you with open arms. My final point and my final plea to my fellow Americans is that take this information, take these issues with you to the voting booth. We have a midterm election coming up this November that could change the trajectory of this country back into the freedom-loving country that we knew and loved. Take this with you. Think long and hard about the people that you are putting into public office. Tyranny is so often voted in. Once it's in, you have to shoot your way out. And shooting your way out is really hard when our Second Amendment no longer exists. It is unnecessary suffering that we can avoid if we simply go into the voting booth believing in basic human rights and how important they are to make sure that not only America stays free, but so many other countries in the world can keep the hope of freedom. I want America to be free for my children. And I want America to be free for their children. Which means we have a huge fight ahead of us to keep America, America. My generation can change the trajectory of this country forever. We need to take that seriously and stand firm for what we believe. Silence is no longer an option. If you are silent, you are complacent. Stand up for what you know to be true. That's why I started this podcast, so that I can have a space where I can stand up for what is true. And I encourage you to not only share this podcast, but find ways for your voice to be heard. We are not the party of silent majority anymore. We can't be, or we will no longer be the majority. We need to step up and allow people to hear the absolute truth that conservatives love and preach. It can be the difference between us staying America and us turning into Canada. That's all for today. I hope that you enjoyed my take on America and the importance of our gun rights. 
I ask that you share this podcast if you need me to be your voice. And if you want a question of yours answered, please follow me on my Instagram page. That's where you can connect with me personally, ask me questions, or tell me what kind of topics you'd like me to talk about. I do have more to talk about than gun laws, despite the last two podcasts. Please like, comment, share, follow me on Spotify, and I will see you for the next one. Until then, stand firm, love others, and be proud to be conservative.